morning, everyone. It is Thursday, the 31st of March, the last day of the quarter. Marcus, morning. What happened overnight? Oh, yes, I'm on overnight. Here we go. Uh, Wall Street was down a bit. Uh, there's been a whole flip of the narrative, as you've probably seen overnight. We've gone risk off, and that's because there is this new scepticism about what Russia says and what it does, and it's doing two different things. It says it's in peace talks, constructive peace talks, but at the same time, it's escalating military action in certain cities in Ukraine, and and uh, so there is now a concern that this war is going to drag out. And the implications of that is have been outlined by Christine Lagarde, who is uh, ECB president, is saying that there's a significant risk and a global uncertainty over the economic outlook if this persists. And even sanctions against Russia, if they persist, it's going to lead to higher energy prices. Uh, they are, Europe is dependent on Russian energy and higher energy prices could cause a recession. There were some inflation numbers in Spain that were 10% and German inflation numbers. I don't know what the number was, but it was higher than expected as well. And the UK is up at 8%. And so the concern is now that this uh, war is going to drag out and sanctions are going to last a longer time than the war and that this is going to hurt economic growth in Europe. So that's the new theme of the night. We'll see how long that one lasts. Otherwise, the budget obviously got, got a good reception from the market yesterday. We were up 50. There are some GDP upgrades around today. And I've read uh, Shane Oliver, Macquarie on the budget, and uh, they've, they've all described it as a political budget. But underneath that, there was a fair amount, not so much of austerity, but they could have spent a lot more for political purposes. So they do seem to have a uh, desire to get the budget deficit down, which is reasonably positive in the eyes of some of the economists. Interest rates down a little bit overnight. All the commodities are up. So our market's up 35 when the future's running up 10. It's on the back of BHP being up 3.9% and Rio up 3%, Fortescue up 3% as the iron ore price up 3.4%. All the metal price has gone up again. It's as if the Russian war just started. So lithium's uh, going up again as well. Oil price is has gone up overnight 2.2%. There was also a conference in Perth, which we've written about in the strategy section on iron ore, saying that the iron ore supply tightness, there is not enough new capacity coming on in the very long term. And therefore, there should remain a iron ore price squeeze for years to come. And we're watching out for jobs numbers on Friday. And that's about it for overnight themes. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. We seem to be in a bit of a cycle at the moment of starting the week optimistic and then the kind of bad news creeping in and we end the week with a couple of bad days. So interesting if we keep that up. Uh, Tom, what have we got on the docket locally? Thank you, Ben. Well, the market is actually having a not so bad day. Sectors outperforming uh, miners, energy and utilities. We see that value outperforming growth. BHP and Rio both having good days following uh, the US and UK counterparts. As Marcus said, lithium names doing well. We had some announcements out from Core Lithium and Pilbara Minerals. Sectors underperforming, technology, consumer discretionary and property stocks on the corporate front. Regis Resources has repeated full year gold guidance. Cromwell Property Group has said it is not in discussions with AMP. Qantas said it plans to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. And Tabcorp has said it's going to list its lotteries business in May. We also have Harvey Norman trading ex-dividends, so it's down a bit there. On the economic front, a bit of data out today. Building permits, private house approvals, private sector credit as well. And tonight, Fed has its preferred inflation measure. Um, and Mark has also pointed to jobs numbers on Saturday morning our time. That's not the CPI number, it's a PCE price index.
index. It's correct. But it's not the proper CPI number. No, it's not the proper. Right, okay. I don't remember ever reacting to the PCE price index, quite honestly. Yeah. But well, there you go. Apparently the Fed likes it. Well, there you go. Marcus doesn't like it, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Good thing you're not on the Fed. Well, let's not change the habit of a lifetime and start fussing about a number that, that we've never fussed about before. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if there's uh, anything to come from that. No, back to Ben, I think. Great. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Leighton, anything much coming from the brokers today? Thanks, Ben. I've got uh, Santos released its 2022 climate change report. I won't go into it too much, but they're aiming for net zero by 2040 and suggest that up to 30% of the company's 2030 expenditure could be committed to carbon capture and storage and hydrogen projects. And Macquarie has an outperform rating there and they've lifted their target price 13%, $10.50 in that situation suggests an upside of 33%. Morgan Stanley has some commentary out on the banks. And again, it's pretty similar to what all of the other brokers have been saying. So I won't go into it in too much detail, but they're underweight on CBA with a target price 13.5% below the current share price. They're neutral on Bendigo, NAB and Westpac and overweight on ANZ and Bank of Queensland with a target price 18.6% above the share price for Bank of Queensland. And they've also noted that they expect banks to outperform the ASX 200 for 2022. And one more, Eager's Automotive on the announcement of the car dealership purchase yesterday. And the brokers recognised that there is still a lack of detail about the deal and the most pressing problem is supply chain issues. We've got UBS with a buy rating and a target price 30.7% above the current share price. And Morgan's has an ad recommendation with a target price 18.9% above the current share price. I think they're both a little bit inflated because it's down about 3% at the moment. And that's because it's trading at dividend. You beat me to it. And you'll notice that the bounce that the whole motor sector had yesterday has just fizzled in a day. So they're doing nothing today. And APE down a couple of percent today on the back of that research. That's it. Thanks, Ben. Very good. Thank you, Leighton. Chris is not with us this morning. He's busy prepping for his appearance on Ausbiz The Call at midday. But in his theme Thursday today, he is finally, which is his words, pulling the trigger on the lithium theme. So he's got a few stocks there. And he's got Macquarie Group, which is a Marcus Today favourite, as his chart of the day. Make sure you check out Chris's stuff. Henry, how are you going and what have you got on today? Uh, thanks, Ben. Well, I pulled the lithium trigger some time ago. Um, sure did. I, interestingly, I had a very big argument yesterday on the investment committee at Ausbiz. is an interesting concept, I have to say, and had a big argument with the other three panellists and Koshi about the joys of Iron Ear, which is the subject of this week's On the Couch podcast, which I actually released early. I had been sitting on it since last Friday, but it seemed appropriate to release it early. Now, I had this big argument yesterday. Um, I wanted to put it into their portfolio. Nobody else was that interested. Uh, it is up 13% today. So there you go, guys. Listen um, to Henry. Well, you know, I've got to say, if you've got no lithium production in America, which they haven't, and you've got a lithium project which is coming on stream and countries certainly looking for strategic metal security, it's seems to make sense that a lithium project there would attract some attention, especially as it's fully funded with a joint venture with Sabanier Stillwater. So I'm um, still like Iron Ear. It's up nearly 14% today, which is good. Lithium stocks doing well today. Core Lithium up another 9%. Argosy up 5.6%. And the iron ore stocks doing
doing well as the market heads towards its all-time high. Uh, the other thing I highlighted today is it is a year ago tomorrow, actually, April Fool's Day in 2021, when, when I put together called the House Deposit Basket, which was the idea being that there were six stocks, 60 grand, 10 grand in each, equal weighting in those six stocks. And the idea was that it was relatively safe and secure, and also it paid a dividend, and it was a way to save for your house deposit. If you had followed that basket for the last year, you'd be up over 40% of your money, including dividends. Certainly a lot better than putting it in the bank. The other things today, just talking about it in my stuff, just uh, highlighting that on the couch with uh, Bernard Rowe from Iron Ear, and also yesterday, the NAB Trade podcast that I did with Gemma Dale was released. So that was interesting. I haven't had any feedback on that yet. That's about it from me. I see Henry Archer Materials is up 15% today. They had some announcement about achieving some technology progress, which I didn't understand, but just note that, oh, that has, that's come down from $2.50 to a dollar and will doubtless turn up on all the scans as a technical buy uh, tomorrow because it's bottomed sharply today. Well, it's one that uh, was my one-stop portfolio. I recommended it at 75 cents. It got to three bucks where I said you should take profits um, and uh, it's it's been languishing for a while. I just emailed uh, Mohammed Shakir, who is the uh, CEO and the main brain behind Archer and congratulated him on the announcement and suggested that it is now time for the site visit that he invited me to check out the guys in the white coats. So uh, I'll wait to hear back from him, but that could be interesting to see that in real life, see whether it's real or whether it is just technological fakery, we shall see. Very good. Thanks, Henry. A lot of good work as always. And Tom, you've got our strategy today. Yes, I do. I'll try and keep this quick. So Marcus alluded to before the Perth conference suggested an iron ore supply shortfall. And they were essentially saying how the big miners are only investing just to replace the capacity that's lost from their sites that are depleting. The second point, OPEC not really helping the energy market. They can't actually keep up with their production targets. There's a meeting tonight where there is a modest increase in output suggested. US inflation data tonight also likely to reinforce the place for value stocks. We just see a hot reading is going to put more pressure on the Fed to act more hawkishly and expeditiously is their new adverb they're using to describe uh, decisions. And end of quarter rebalancing and why that is a possible tailwind for the US. And there's a Financial Times article that uh, calculated for some reason they've annualized the performance in the last week of a quarter where the quarter has been a weak quarter. So for the US market, down something like 3.4% for the first quarter of the year. And they said for the down quarters for the last six years, the last week has resulted in a 6.6% improvement. So they've annualized that to 80% for some reason. Anyway, interesting to look at and why. So we might see a couple of good days for the US market if that theory is to be proven right. Very good. Thank you, Tom. Last but not least, Marcus, you've got some ideas for us this morning. On the idea section, Tom and I have built a spreadsheet where we have put in stop losses. I don't think we will slavishly obey them. But the idea of stop losses is that they tap you on the head when you open the spreadsheet. 
street and say, this stock is going down, what are you going to do about it? I haven't done it yet, but I will explain in the ideas section what we've done. And there are three stop losses, all of which can tap us on the head, uh, which is a two times ATR, three times ATR and a 5% stop loss. And we will monitor those stop losses on our spreadsheets. And I'll explain to you in the ideas section today how you can do that yourself. And that might be of some interest to some people. Stop losses are a controversial thing. They make you short term. And the experience of using them is it chops you out of great long-term investments and you, then you forget about them and never get back in and wonder why you ever sold them in the past. So it's not really a mechanism for long-term investors or for investors who have got their 20-stock portfolio, which they just want income from. It's more for active investors and there are plenty of those around. And as I say, stop losses are not something you slavishly follow. But if you open a spreadsheet and all the stop losses have gone red on a stock, you have to ask yourself, why are you just ignoring it? And it's a good excuse to go and revisit the story, revisit the chart, revisit everything, announcements, and just decide whether you're doing the right thing and maybe make a decision. So for instance, we sold James Hardy the other day. You could make a very good long-term case for James Hardy. It's underperformed in, in the short term, underperformed the market. There is doubtless a good long-term story, but when you're in an ideas section trading at some point, you just have to have a mechanism that says that's enough. I don't want to keep waking up to a stock that's down 10%, 11%, 12%. So I'll do a little stop loss explanation in the ideas section today and show you the spreadsheet we've built. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. Now I'll finish with the question of the day. As always, a bit of a different one today. If you could have anybody's job in the world, whose would it be? Tom? So I was on YouTube in the, in the YouTube hole, as some people do find themselves, and came across a couple who sold their house and everything, and they bought a catamaran. And now they make videos about their travels, and they pretty much sail around the Bahamas. And they make money from all their vlogs and just sail around the world doing whatever they want. I thought that's pretty cool. Very nice. You've been influenced. You could do that now, Tom. I could do that now. Well, of course you could. Yeah. Actually, I have friends who do yeah, the you Channel had a 9 travel program. I'm not sure. It's called Getaway, is it? And they have done sections for them. And if vlogging ruins your holiday because you're under constant pressure to put a piece of social media out. It takes time. You've got to flog all the products you've been given to go around. It's a pain in the ass. Oh, okay. So, so I would suggest throwing a bit a of pretty, shade on that's, that's a shabby. You don't want that job. Being right. pressured to do what looks great, but is actually really hard work. Right. I'll have Henry's job then. <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> uh, don't smile it. Don't smile it. Uh, Henry, what's your, what job will you take? Uh, Richard Hammond. Yeah, fair. Doesn't He's need too top, much explanation. He's the top gear man, isn't he? Yeah, nice. He is the top gear man, the hamster. Um, I can't see any job in the world that would be better than going around with your mates and having fun in fast cars and traveling the world. And yeah. Can't see a problem with that one. Yep. I like it. Layton? Mine's actually kind of similar to Henry's, but I've gone a bit different approach. Uh, Clarkson. Hey. Clarkson to, oh. to Henry's Hammond. No, uh, Lando Norris or Charles Leclerc, Formula Good 1 drivers. Job. And the reason why either of those two is because they're Ferrari and McLaren and they just get given the cars. So You know, you could like you could own the team or something. You can own any job. You don't no, you have to be the one going 350. I reckon it's oh, cooler to be the driver. Zero. That's yeah. where all the glory is. Cool on here until you hit the wall. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, do you have an answer or are you already in it? Late, late. I was going to go Henry because I think Henry 
Kingman's got a fabulous job. I love that job. And uh, <laughs> but I was going to go. Um, who's Lance Stroll's dad? Who's the billionaire? I'd love to be a billionaire, <laughs> and my job being to just spend my money. So I would almost <laughs> certainly run a Formula One team because I think that would be fantastic. I don't know who I'd get as a driver, but not my son. But yeah, I think I'd like to be a billionaire, deciding where to spend my money. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. And Ben, I would be. I don't have a name because I don't follow them individually that much. But I would be a special comments American football reporter. Oh yeah. You sit on the sideline, you watch. Don't be an analyst. So don't need to be nasty to players. Just make special comments here and there. Get paid a few million dollars. Hang out with some cool people. Watch sport all day. Stephen A. Smith. No, he's too. too <laughs> that's too much. Just a Drew Brees. <laughs> Well, I was going to say Marcus, but Marcus said that wasn't a good idea. Um, I would be some sort of like talk show host. So I get to meet lots of different stars and travel around and goodies. Graham Norton. Yeah, I would be the, yeah, I would be the. UK Graham. Yeah, I would be Graham Norton. Could see you doing that. Definitely see that. Well, it's like Tom's, you could make it happen. There's nothing stopping you. (laughs) That's it. Well, the rest of us have some barriers. (laughs) 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 All right. I think that's it for us. Thanks, guys. See you in a while.